Hey, what's up, everybody? Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Coast to Coast Podcast here on InsideCarolina.com. I'm Joey Powell. With me, as always, Sean Moran, Sherelle McMillan, and we're brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt. episode of the C2C for those of you who live in abbreviate in abbreviations it's easy for me to say I should have just said C2C instead of abbreviations those of you who live in abbreves uh, we're back for another show uh, after the Tar Heels this weekend win 80 to 63 over Elon so we'll talk about that talk a little bit of recruiting want to bring in the guys that always make this show what it is Sean Moran Sherelle McMillan Sean how are you doing well yeah Sherelle how you living I'm good. It's a victory Sunday for everybody, I think. So it is. I'm happy. Everybody wins today. Every, everybody <laughs> wins today, especially Vegas. Um, yeah. So look, man, I, I want to take a couple of seconds to talk about the game uh, against Elon. Tar Heels hosting an obviously uh, outmatched Elon team, a, a phrase that we throw around on this show here quite a bit. Uh, Tar Heels were much more gifted uh, to coin something that Roy Williams used many times in his career. Tariels were much more gifted than Elon. Um, did not cover the spread, but did win 80-63. <laughs> Felt like they had a chance to stretch the game out in the second half, and really, Elon just kind of hung around and hung around and hung around. Uh, quick stats for you. UNC shot 39% from the field, which is not great against a smaller squad. Um, did win the rebounding advantage, advantage doubling up the Phoenix 48-24, to but committed 16 turnovers. Uh, leading scorers Dawson Garcia and Caleb Love both with 22. Sean, I'll come to you first. What did you think about that game, and did it do what North Carolina needed to do with that win? I think that game, how you know, coming off of two wins made it a little easier to stomach. Uh, you know, from an offensive perspective, it was their worst game on kind of a points per possession since Tennessee. Uh, however, unlike the UNC Asheville game, there are definitely some some bright spots um, and also some some definite spots of improvement. Uh, you know, Caleb, as you mentioned, Caleb Love and and Dawson playing well, but you know, really the 16 turnovers to only 11 assists uh, was was concerning. Um, as well as some of the, you know, the ball movement at times. But at least in this one, there were some, you know, were some bright spots to take away. And at the same time, it was, you know, really the one game they played this week with with finals and and still have kind of another uh, prep game uh, before the big one in Vegas next week. Yeah, Sherelle, um, I think one of the things we've talked about all year is how different this Hubert <laughs> Davis uh, system has been versus Roy Williams' system before him. But I think there's definitely some continuity here between the Tar Heels sleepwalking through a game against a lesser opponent in December at home. Yeah, it, it does seem that this team is playing um, to the talents of uh, the opposition. Uh, and that's, I mean, you can get away with that right now. I think, I think that's fine. To your point, they were more gifted. And, you know, I don't think it was as bad as a performance as maybe, you know, it seems. It's just that they played so well in the second half against Georgia Tech and then in the second half against Michigan, <clears throat> did it kind of left you thinking, okay, they're about to turn the corner and, you know, they're going to blow these guys out 105 to, you know, 76 or something. And the team just isn't there yet. 
Uh, I know that folks don't like to hear this, but that was game nine. And I'm just going to keep saying it for the rest of the season. Like that was just game 12 and that was only game 15. This stuff takes a long time. Like not up someone who Carolina fans generally do not like, but if you think about LeBron James back when he went to Miami and the first of the super team, those first seven or eight games, they were not good. Like not even, not even like average. They were bad. I think they were three and four through seven games or three and five or something like that. And I don't mean to say like, oh, this team can be the Miami Heat. The point is that even for the most talented players in the world, um, some would argue the second most talented player of all time and then other great players, it takes time. And I think that's where UNC is at. So you're going to get some of these uneven performances, like Sean said, especially after coming off exams and not really having any competitive games. And then, to be honest, the Smith Center was a little sleepy. Um, you know, on a weekend at eight, which is a little sleepy, you know, a little late for the center on the weekend against an opponent that's not a name opponent. So all that goes into it, but they did what they had to do. Um, <clears throat> the defense got better uh, after it, it struggled a little bit. I think in the first half, it got better to some degree in the second. And then Caleb Love is playing at, at the level that we thought he could last year. So um, I, I think it's fine. Uh, it's just a matter of still getting used to each other and, uh, dealing with kind of that sleepy time in December, as you said. Glad you pointed out Caleb Love uh, had an, you know just a really, really strong line last night. Seven for 14 from the field, four of seven for three, hit all four of his free throws, uh, five rebounds, one assist, three steals, uh, four turnovers. You'd like to see him cut down on those, but I, I don't think it was, you know, lazy play. Sherelle, is there anybody that you have seen in recent memory playing with more confidence than Caleb Love is right now? Other than Cole Anthony, uh, Cole Anthony out of there because I think he was just he was just built that way. But other than Cole Anthony, can you remember a target yeah. player playing as confident? I think you have to go back to that 18-19 team. I think Cam Johnson that year, it, because of how well Kobe played that year, mm-hmm. Cam Johnson's season gets overlooked. It's one of the best shooting seasons in Carolina history. Uh, so that team had a whole bunch of confident guys. But, yeah, Caleb's kind of uh, at a different level right now. And I was uh, actually tested with someone close to him. And they were just like, man, year two, very, very different. And, you know, the confidence he looks like Caleb in high school is what the person said. And the numbers reflect that. I mean, last year he shot 34% from, uh, you know, from two point inside the arc. This year he's at 46. Last year he made 34 threes the entire season at 26%. This year he's already at 19 through nine games. So it's just not just the shooting, um, but the shooting's a big part of it because even last year, the issue with Caleb really wasn't getting by people, getting into the lane or, or getting a shot. It was just converting. And you knew that he was going to come up because those numbers were just too low for someone as talented as him. So confidence and, and shooting and uh, what an insider told us was that it's great when you're believed in. And I think he feels very believed in by Davis talk about the positivity and all that together is why I think he's playing so well, in addition to the hard work. Yeah, and I, it's it's really refreshing to see, too, how it's rubbing off on some of his teammates. I mean, not only is his offensive ability actually creating things for uh, the rest of his offense, but I think his confidence is actually rubbing off on other guys. Uh, you look at one of the three-pointers he hit last night. You know, I, I said Grandfather Mountain, but it was probably more like Hendersonville, which is where he shot the ball from on the North Carolina map that's on the floor. And, again, it, his step back right now looks as – almost confident as, as as if he's taking a layup like it just if it looks that smooth it looks that easy it looks you know like that much like it's just it's just going right in um you want to talk about his usage rate before i, I, I kick something to sean 
Oh no, just just something to note that his he's just being much more efficient. Again, to be fair, it was hard to hard not to be more efficient than he was last year, considering right. how inefficient he was. But right. um, all of his numbers are up: shooting, scoring, um, rebounding, turnovers are down, assists up, everything's up, and he's doing it. You know, with the ball really with a lower usage rate than he had last year, slightly, but uh, still lower. Well, it's it's good to hear that not only is are things clicking for him, but he's recognizing that things are clicking for him because I think that means uh, that means all the difference, especially in a guy who has the ball in his hands as much as he does. A guy that doesn't have the ball in his hands very much, and I've used the number on here before that Leaky Black, if he gives this team five, five, and five every night, this team is going to have a very long, successful season. He didn't get five, five, and five against Elon, but he did have two points. Eight rebounds, three assists, one block, and one steal. Sean, is Leaky Black really just going to continue to be the unsung hero on this team? I mean, I see him, one of the biggest things I see is he's cut down on the mental mistakes. Do you think it's, do you think it's just kind of something where he's comfortable out there, or do you think he's actively making choices to, uh, to do things differently than he's done in the past in his career in North Carolina? Well, I think, you know, right now, anytime he's out on the court, there's, there's four guys around him that can, that can score the ball efficiently. Um, and I think over the last two years, there might be one guy, if that, on the floor or with him. So his kind of offensive uh, scoring issues were a little more pronounced. Um, you mentioned kind of five, you know, five, five, five. And I think, you know, from a rebounding perspective, you know, some, some of the ones he does get are, are very impressive. Um, but I think for him, you know, especially UCLA and as they get into conference play, it's going to be rebounding, but also, you know, on the offensive boards are going to be important because that's not a strength of UNC's anymore, but at the same time, it is, you know, fantastic when they are able to get another, another shot with a, a tap out or, you know, a tip in or something like that. And that's where he's going to have to you know, get those, get those five points or when he's wide open in the corner, uh, and somebody runs a close out at him, he is attacking and, and continuing to put pressure on the defense. So, um, you know, I think he's having, yes, he is having a fantastic season, a very efficient season. Uh, they don't need him to, to score or shoot, but, uh, you know, last week we talked about his defensive performance on DeVoe, uh, which was, which was talked about a lot, but, you know, going, going into Saturday, I would imagine he'll get matched up with Johnny Juzang and that, that'll be a real test. You know, can he, I think there was question marks last year of, of can he actually stay with strong perimeter players? Uh, Cause he would, he did get beat off the dribble quite a, quite a bit last year. Um, and here you have, you know, a guy that's not going to kill you off the dribble, but a very good isolation player and one of the top players in the country. So I think, you know, if he can, if he can, make life difficult for Juzang, I think that will go a long way in, tor- in terms of, you know, how he's, how he's viewed, um, you know, the rest of the year. Yeah, Juzang's shot, or he's, Juzang is incredible at getting his own shot, regardless of what defense looks like on him. And it's, it's actually remarkable to watch if you have a chance to see him play. And the Tar Heels uh, will face UCLA next Saturday at 3 o'clock in Las Vegas. Uh, guys, one more thing this week. Uh, the Tar Heels have a game against Furman on Tuesday night. Uh, give me one thing each of you need to see uh, from a developmental perspective from the Tar Heels on this game Tuesday. Sean, I'll go to you first. I would love to see uh, Dawson and, and Brady um, both having good games together. I, I think uh, from a plus minus, they were, they finally were 
were in the plus when they played together. But, uh, you know, Georgia Tech, Brady did really well. Dawson didn't get off the bench the second half this time around. Uh, it's Dawson scoring 22 points very efficiently, hitting from outside, and, and Manic going 0 for 6. Um, you know, I did think he, he made, you know, a few – uh, nice plays, especially in the first half when he was attacking the glass. But at the same same time, it always seems one, you know, if one's doing really well, then the other's doing nothing. And if they can start getting a little more consistency, especially as they're going through that, you know, big man rotation, you know, that's something I would love to love to see because they both have the, the talent. Uh, but once again, it's kind of, met, you know, can it mesh together in the same same game? Sherelle, give me one thing that you want to see from this Tar Heel squad against the Paladins on Tuesday night in the Smith Center. I'm going to give you two, even though you asked for one, because that's how I roll. Uh, the first one would be more tempo. Uh, I think when you have an athletic advantage over a team, well, you know, Furman's a good team. First off, let's leave on Furman. They're, they're a solid team. Yes. Right. They're, they're better than Elon. So, you know, let's, let's, let's keep it there. And North Carolina needs to win the game. And it's easy for fans to overlook, but, you know, the team, they cannot overlook Furman. But I would like to see more tempo because um, even though North Carolina's seven guys, they, they do have some talented players. So maybe more tempo can get them, uh, you know, up 20, 30 points and, and get more guys from playing. <laughs> and then uh, I, I'd like to see Kerwin Walton just get some minutes and just get a little confidence back because it does seem um, that he is still – I shouldn't say get confidence back because all those guys have a lot of confidence. I think just him getting into a flow is what we need to see, and him um, having a role defined is what we need to see. So it'd be nice to see that on Tuesday, those two things. Yeah, and I feel like, and again, I, I could have I could have seen this differently, but I feel like they actually ran a set for him early in the second half last night, and either uh, he didn't like what he saw or um, you know just for whatever reason didn't take the shot. But I'm with you. I'd love to see love to see some things start going in for uh, for Kerwin Walton. Um, just a little preview on Furman. Uh, they are six and three on the year. Uh, they are 105 currently in the net ranking. So something to think about. They do have uh, one quad one win, and that was against Louisville. Uh, and then yeah, the rest of them, just like everybody else, they're getting fat in their their quad four wins. All right, take a quick break. Uh, talk a little bit about Johnny T-shirt for a second, because one thing that doesn't stop is the deals of Johnny T-shirt. I mean, right now they're in the middle of their uh, their 12 days of uh, of Tar Heel specials i can't remember what they're going to call it but um i mean it's johnny t-shirt is absolutely the place you need to be checking out for your holiday shopping for your tar heel in your life uh, i mentioned this on the radio show with tommy ashley uh if if you can't buy something for your favorite tar heel at johnny t-shirt you need to remove those people from your social orbit uh, because johnny t-shirt has any every and all things that you want to purchase shirts hats scarves um you know it, it, you think beans greens potatoes tomatoes you you name it right and, and they they have all of it there at johnny t-shirt johnny t-shirt.com right on east franklin street in chapel hill uh they're 12 days of christmas is what they're talking about uh for the next few days every day they're going to have something different that's on sale if you go to their uh go to their home page right now johnny t-shirt.com they have some beautiful carolina golf polos just good looking stuff bunch of different brands uh bowl game coming up in charlotte don't roll down there in some old raggedy sweatshirt look good get some good gear ask the people who are buying for you for the holidays to hit up johnny t-shirt inside carolina premium subscribers get the extra 10 percent off the top be sure you use that discount on top of their already great prices johnny t-shirt will take care of you and we want to tell them how much we appreciate their support of this work 
by sending all of our subscribers and listeners to them with their business. JohnnyTshirt.com, check them out. Take a quick second, uh, have another break here. Let the guys from the national scene come in here and run some ads. And we'll be right back to talk a little bit of recruiting stuff before we get out of here on this episode of the Coast to Coast podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Appreciate you guys sticking around. Let's talk a little bit of recruiting before we wrap up this episode. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Seth Trimble. Uh, we talked about him last week. His season has been started for uh, Minamani Falls up there in the Great White North. He's looked good. Sean, you got to see him play on Friday. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, not uh, not play live, but was able to finally watch uh, watch something other than than highlights, uh, which was was good to see. This kind of the flow. So he's he's four games in. The team is three and one. They won on one on Friday. He's averaging a little over around 20, 21 points a game. Uh, you know, this game he had uh, I think it was six sixteen um, sixteen or eighteen, but. He, you know, his, his, sh- his shot was a little, little off um, and his outside shot has been a little off this season, only hitting one, one, three in this particular game. He was, he was 0 for four. Um, but, you know, there, there will be kind of a short piece coming out early this week with some, some full game clips. And there's, there's a few in there that uh, will, you know, basically make you say, say, wow. Um, one of them, you know, early in the game, got the ball in the left-hand corner uh, quick drive past his man, exploded for a, a two-hand dunk in the paint. Another one, uh, he got in the passing lane and basically falling out of bounds through a behind-the-back pass uh, for a fast-break dunk, which was which was pretty impressive. Um, so I think the things that we all know about him uh, were evident in terms of just his, his ability to get to the rim, uh, his ability to finish at the rim. You know, he was he was taking a lot of the mid-range pull-up jump shots, which we know he's uh, he loves and is is very comfortable with. Uh, but I think the the main thing everybody will be talking about next year is the, the three-point shooting. Um, you know, as I mentioned, 0 for four. The, the threes didn't look you know look terrible. Uh, they they looked like that. You know, they had a shot to go in, which I think is is what you what you want instead of them going all, all over the place. Um, and I think he probably just needs to hit a, hit a few to get, get comfortable. Um, but, you know, he's also fairly, fairly passive at times where I thought he could have been a little more, a little more aggressive just because he, it did feel like anytime he had the ball in his hands, whether it was pick and roll or isolation, he was able to, you know, do, do what he wanted to do in that game. Uh, but, Overall, it's good to kind of just watch a full game of him uh, versus just seeing the highlights, uh, you know, the dunks, the the pull-up jump shots, the steals, et cetera, and you don't get to see some of the other other aspects. Um, but, you know, kind of that, that left hand for him is extremely strong, and and he'll definitely be a player that uh, is, getting, is getting minutes early uh, for UNC next year. You know, you talked about him being passive. Do you think that passivity was him actually just – a lack of aggression like you described, or was it actually him deferring to his teammates for a change? Because that's something you yeah. kind of want to see in a lead guard. Yeah, maybe passive wasn't the, 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 right, the right word. Um, I think, you know, somebody at that 
caliber. You know, he probably could have been maybe just a little more selfish in that yeah. game because uh, one, one of his teammates, I'm not sure who it was, <laughs> seemed to be uh, taking more shots than, than him. Um, but once again, w- with the ball in his hands, uh, you know, he can, he puts pressure on the defense um, and that creates open shots for teammates and creates uh, open opportunities for him in the paint. And, and once he takes off, uh, no matter how tall you are, he, you know, he's going to challenge, challenge you at the room. So, you know, that, that was fun to watch when he did, uh, did get those opportunities. You talk about him having a teammate that was taking way too many shots. I feel like any time that I've watched an AAU game with a blue chip player, there's always like that one kid who thinks that the thinks that the scouts are there to see him, and you always be, you know, I always want to call him Otis because anybody coming to see you, Otis, right? And that's just that's what I feel like when I see games like that. But obviously, I don't watch as much as you do. All right, Shrill, tell me a little bit about R.J. Jones and his stop in the Smith Center uh, against Elon the other night. Yeah, so he is a 2024 forward uh, from Gainesville, Florida. He goes to the Rock School, and uh, that is where Darius Days went Wait, uh, to high school. school. Like, like, know your role, shut your mouth? Like, Yeah, yeah the Rock School, yeah. Yeah, wow, Jay-Z, right. the Rock, yeah. Uh, it's called the Rock School. It's the school down in Gainesville. Okay. Um, and a, a great, pretty good uh, basketball tradition. Like I said, Darius Days, who UNC recruited. Uh, Hebert Davis was actually the lead recruiter. Uh, played there. So RJ Jones is 2024. He's a small forward, 6'8, six, 6'9. Six, um, I think he'll, he's more of a four uh, once he gets to college, but obviously that's projecting a long way out. This was his second trip to UNC. Uh, he took a trip up to the Triangle in late October and visited UNC, NC State, and Duke and was subsequently offered by NC State following that visit. Uh, this visit came about because the Rock School was playing at a tournament in Crib, Fayetteville. North Carolina. Yes, uh, they were there all weekend and decided to drive up to Chapel Hill on Saturday to watch the Elon game. So two trips in six weeks, um, obviously very early in, in the class of 2024. Uh, he's also taken trips, as I said, to NC State, Duke, um, Florida, and Florida State. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's a good update on a guy that's kind of on the distant radar, right? Um, uh, correct. Yeah. yeah and, and finally, a little bit of news about Gigi Jackson, who I think is that's the guy that everybody's just kind of got their eyes on and everybody's paying attention to because he's kind of the, the next blue chip that the Tar Heels are after. Uh, what can you tell us about Gigi? So shout out to uh, this guy named Sam, who I met at Rira in Charlotte uh, after the Charlotte Hornets game last weekend or still, they're, this they're weekend on Friday. Around? Yeah, Rira in Charlotte. Yeah. Wow, so we were strong. there and okay. he came up, he recognized me. He's like, oh, what's up, Sherelle? And what do you think was the first question he asked? Where's Gigi going? Where is Gigi going? So, yeah, Gigi is the number one topic from all Carolina fans. Uh, so for the second week in a row, though, he was at South Carolina. He was there today. Uh, he was there last Sunday as well. And as I mentioned before, he lives about 10 minutes from campus and he has a former mate who plays for them. Um, not trying to not trying to make it sound like it's, it's not a threat to UNC, but um, there are reasons that he would he would take that a visit. His team, because of his national profile, is um, playing a national schedule. So they're playing everywhere. They're in tournaments all over the country, including next weekend, um, they're in Las Vegas. And next weekend, North Carolina is in Las ah. Vegas. So we'll, we'll see what happens there if they're able to watch them. What people have to realize, and this is a little NCAA <laughs> deep in the, in the code uh, <laughs> stuff, they, coaches are only allowed or staffs are only allowed to visit an individual player seven times per academic year. 
So that's any off-campus evaluation or visit um, that doesn't take place like in an AAU live period. So basically, UNC, anytime a staff member of UNC goes to see Gigi Jackson off-campus, it counts as an evaluation. And UNC has already used three. So, you know, people are like, why, why hasn't UNC gone and seen Gigi again? Well, they only have four, and that lasts through the end of May. So, you know, you want to be kind of, kind of uh, intentional on how you use those. I think they were in October. Um, they visited as a whole staff at the end of October. Um, the first day of the fall evaluation period in September, he was the first visit they took. And then Sean May and um, uh, Jeff Lebo have taken individual trips down there as well. So, you know, they only have a few more and they, they have to save them uh, in case this recruitment does, you know, go into next year and into the summer. So that's why UNC isn't down there every week to see Gigi. I promise you, if they had unlimited trips, they would be down there every week to see him. Well, I'm also, I think I'm mostly glad that there's not going to be a quiz about that, like, NCAA layer that you just threw at our faces. That's that's pretty deep, and I'm... I'm so glad that I am not paid to to memorize things like that. But that's one of the reasons you and Sean are on the shows because you guys know stuff like that. All right, fellas, before we put a bow on this, anything that we need to talk about, Sean, uh, you basically live on UCLA's campus. I mean, is there is there anything from <laughs> anything from you know John Wooden's statue that you can tell Tar Heel fans prior to the game in Vegas next week? Um, I mean, I have been able to see, I mean, living in Southern California for a while, got to see a lot of those, a lot of the guys playing on the team in high school. And, and obviously, you know, through their, it used to be, you know, $8 could get in for five to $8 at Poly Pavilion, but a little, little harder now that they made their run, uh, last year. Um, you know, this is a game I was a little pessimistic for uh, a few weeks back, but I think, you know, coming off the of Michigan and, and Georgia Tech, they, you know, UNC has shown some some signs of life. Uh, Cody Riley, uh, you know, still hurt for UCLA, but at the same time, you know, with, with Juzang and, and, uh, and Hame Hakwes, you know, those are, Hakez, are yes. two, <laughs> two uh, difference, difference makers. And, uh, you know, I think especially at the four spot, that's going to be, uh, I think probably what, what kind of makes or breaks that game, both, both for UNC and UCLA, given the you know perimeter focus for UCLA and the potential size differential um, from from UNC, so I think it should be you know I I wish it were kind of the second part of of the the matchup um, on on Saturday, but it will be it will be a good one. Uh, they shoot the ball well, and I think it'll get you know give uh, give Caleb another opportunity just to show off the confidence and show off his improved uh, skill set. Um, against the talented team. And, and last thing, uh, I guess last two things. One, if, you know, or I think Armando has the opportunity to have a, have a big game down low. Um, and then, you know, from a, from a defensive perspective, you, uh, UCLA has a lot of, you know, lower usage players that can come in and, and hit shots, David Singleton, uh, Bernard, et cetera. Um, so can they, you know, can they make it tough from UCLA uh, from the perimeter? So, an exciting game and, and it should be a good one, but I think uh, even, even though UNC will be an underdog, it should be, uh, should be hopefully a competitive one. Well, and uh, as we've mentioned on this show earlier, you know, you only get so many chances to get Q1 wins, right? And that's, uh, this is probably going to be the last one for a while. Um, and, you know, for UNC is, is going to be fully immersed in the conference season by 
uh, two weeks from now. So, uh, Shirley, you got anything you want to mention before we, uh, before we wrap this one up for tonight? Uh, just Simeon Wilcher opens the season on Friday on ESPN, so Carolina fans can check him out there. He's UNC's lone 2023 commitment. And as you teased so eloquently in the last episode of the show, you did put a, a nice write-up after an in-depth discussion with, uh, with Papa Wiltshire, and that's been on the Inside Carolina Premium Message Board, so everybody needs to make sure they read that if they haven't already. Um, but I'm assuming most folks who listen to this podcast are probably already tuned into that information. But either way, man, we appreciate you putting it out there for us. And we also appreciate everybody listening to the show. Appreciate Johnny T-Shirt sponsoring. Appreciate John Siegley producing. I appreciate Sean Moran and Cheryl McMillan for gracing me with their virtual presence for another evening to put together another episode of the Coast to Coast. Guys, I'm thankful for you. Hope you have a great week. And for everybody listening out there, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. I'm going to keep asking until everybody has done so. We appreciate it. We will catch you all next time here on InsideCarolina.com on the Coast to Coast podcast. Late.